0: Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland.
1: Dan Auer, San Francisco.
0: It's February 20th. This is On the Grid, episode 29. This
1: week, we discuss whether or not it's necessary to have a formal education to practice design. We also talked about
2: my burgeoning career as a drug dealer.
0: This is On the Grid. Let's go! go. Gentlemen, it's it's actually been, it's it's been more than a week. It's been some time. We have this kind of weird situation where we wanted to, we did an episode and we wanted to do a follow-up, so we're kind of between episodes. How yep. long has
2: it been? I've it's lost been like a track of weeks. time. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? What do I do for a living? Mm. I
0: don't know why this time of the year is so uh, bad. I thought the holidays would be the worst, but it's really been. We did really good over the holidays. It's been brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, it's been a brutal time at work, but mm. you know. Better busy than not, I guess. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We've been going
2: through a lot over here at Friends of the Web. We're sort of oh, here goes the fire engine. Hi, Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, we're sort of restructuring some things about the business. And it's been really stressful lately because I'm trying to make decisions and talk to everybody and figure out what we're doing. So it, things have been up in the air for us, and that's been sort of stressful. But overall, it's been really good. It's been a, the years going by quickly. I think. How is uh, how are things going, Dan? Post launch of your app, you finally have. Like it's launched, it's over how is how are things settling
1: in for you guys oh it's it's not settling in by any means. uh it's actually become more busy now that things have actually hit the app store. Um, wait, so you're saying
2: that it it's not finished. you didn't just finish it and put it in and be done with it? yeah, yeah, no, mm, no no yeah, rookie uh, mistake, uh, <laughs> rookie mistake you gotta finish it that's that's important.
1: <laughs> well, no, like last time we were talking, we were talking about that um, the eventual bug release with all the the critical bug fixes and just overall improvements to performance and that finally went out yesterday so that's good we're we're trying to plan out a lot of things because like we're a subsidiary of tagged like that's the parent company we get to play in our own little play space within the company and there's just a bunch of like structural stuff probably really close to what you guys are doing and so there's a well, lot of not <laughs> that it's a lot of business crap and yeah no very, fuck business crap yeah so there's a lot of that stuff going on. So it's uh, like we talk about that and then we switch over to design and then a product and then I'm also helping out with tag stuff now. So I'm technically under three projects right now. So it's uh it's so busy.
2: Take this time for a quick sidebar just to remind everybody listening one more time never to start their own business. Just yes, don't do it. <laughs> Hang it up. Don't fill out those papers. It's
0: don't do it. The papers yeah. are the easiest part. <laughs> That Jerry Seinfeld advice. Nice job, Andy. <laughs> what All is right, the deal we... with entrepreneurship? <laughs> should we uh, should we move on? Should we get started? Oh, you want to talk about like we're, design? Well, we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about how busy everything is. That's boring. One it's of bo- these of course days, course, we're busy. One of
2: these days, we should have a show where we just never stop the small talk. I wonder how far yeah. in people would, would wait before they realize what was going on.
0: Yeah, we're just we're gonna <laughs> talk Seinfeld about the weather episode. and how busy we are. <laughs> It's about nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it still might be about nothing. We might we could accomplish that still. So who's, gonna be, uh, who's gonna be who's gonna be George so
2: deprecating this? Like who's gonna be Kramer? Dan? You're definitely George. Yeah, you're oh, George. George. That's clear.
0: Everybody figured that out. I, I think I'm to, probably
2: okay. Kramer. Unfortunately, I think I have to <laughs> accept that.
0: I'm Jerry because I'm the funny one. Is that
2: yeah? Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank God.
2: Maybe I'm Elaine. <laughs> I think I'd rather be Elaine than Kramer.
0: Okay. All right. That's wish right.
2: granted. The first thing I want to talk about is whether formal design education is necessary for practicing designers. Uh, so I was part of the first designers debate club organized by Keenan Cummings in New York. Wonderful guy.
0: They really stepped it up since you were. Well, and I was, that's what I, was, that's what I was just <laughs> getting to.
2: I think I was holding them back because the first, one, the first one was a great event. It was held at the General Assembly and there was probably, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 people there. Uh, they're now on the third designers debate club uh which included abbott miller and some other really famous people and was at the school of visual arts it was this huge sort of massive event it seems i am really bummed i couldn't make it up there for it
0: did you end up going matt by any chance no you know what i didn't even i didn't realize that event was happening on that night and i i regret it i should have gone it would have been good but also i i work later than every one of those events that ever takes place so i never get a chance either even if i find out wow. you couldn't walk out of work to go see a thing to make you a better designer this is professional development I could just point and be like, "But Abb- Abbott's gonna a- a- be there." Abbott <laughs> going, Why can't I go?
1: Hey, Abbott!
0: I I hate that guy. It doesn't always. It's n- it's not up to it's not up to my bosses. It's up to the clients, and they don't care. <laughs> yep. Wait, your clients set your schedule for you? <laughs> yeah. Have you, you worked in <laughs> a design firm?
2: Okay. Uh, anyway. So because this event happened, it sort of brought this idea. This is one of these sort of conversations I think is always going on in the background of the design community. But uh, this big event brought it right to the forefront. And the question again is, is formal design education necessary for practicing designers? Uh, So I think that the obvious arguments are probably obvious. And for everyone listening, all three of us have been through formal design education. Uh, I was wondering what you guys thought about this. We never actually talked about it before.
0: I think what was striking about... The panel though is that the people for are people who are working in fields that you can be taught about. And the people that were against were working in fields that you kind of have to teach yourself. So it it, it is a little difficult to say, you know, one side's gonna win versus the other. Like if you're working in the digital field, which is the people who are arguing that you don't need a formal education, you can't get a formal education. It's not available yet. Mm-hmm. And the other side of it were people who are working in a more traditional uh, graphic design field um, in more traditional firms. Not everyone, but but uh, Abbott and uh, Matteo Bologna both work in more traditional firms. And you can get a design education. It's not going to give you everything you could possibly need, but you can get it, and it's an available degree. So it's a little unbalanced going into it, knowing where everybody's coming from. But but also, you know, if if you're in those fields, like I feel like. I think you should have a formal education in graphic design if you're gonna come into a design firm, because I can't imagine getting hired without that. But if you're gonna move into a web design firm, there are very few people where they're gonna have that degree, so it's not really gonna matter so much. It I don't know. I don't know if I have a solid answer to that question. I think it is important and if it were available in all the fields, I would say, yes, you you should need it, but the world moves too fast.
2: That's a very political answer you just gave.
0: I yeah. It but I I <laughs> but honestly, I I can't just say no because well, no, if you I mean, can get if you can get a solid if you can get a better background because you can actually learn from people who know what they're talking about, great. But that's not true in every field, so you can't you can't just say, "Hey, you want to go into the, the the most cutting edge of of web development? Who the fuck's going to teach you that?" So I can't say yes. Get a formal education. Huh. I, I I like I like coming down solid on one side or the other, but. It, the world's too complex. That's the kind of guy likes having an opinion. He likes to. He likes to <laughs> I like likes to make opinion. choices about stuff. I don't care about about facts. I just say yes or no. So, I don't know, Andy. What's your What is your take? What is Dan? What is your take? Uh, I am one hundred
1: percent for education, but
0: well, that's not exactly. Well, that's not that's not fair. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, <laughs> I
1: think people should learn stuff and be taught. No, no. I think that uh, designers should go through uh, formal higher education for the field. The problem though, is I do, uh, 100% feel
0: that the higher education is fundamentally flawed. So So, you think everyone should go through a flawed system? No, you can say both of those things. You can say, I think this, I think everyone should have to go through the system that I believe can exist.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially what I'm saying is that, uh, there are good programs. I mean, if you go into a good graphic design program, you can be a good graphic designer. There is that gray area of the web design or the app design or uh, digital design, but uh, I do think that design education has not cut up to where design currently is, and that is a major problem, which is why most people feel like they shouldn't go and get educated in in it at all.
2: Well, I mean, education is always behind. That's sort of the structure of it. In order to teach something, you have to prove you know something, which usually means getting a degree in it, which Mm -hmm. takes some amount of time by the time you go around that loop and you come back around and you sign up to teach and submit your curriculum and you wait the waiting period, uh, by the time you're ready to do all that kind of stuff, the thing that you know is probably out of date or irrelevant, at least that you've proven that you know, which is sort of well, why education, I think, is always a little bit behind the, the bleeding edge because there's a lot of stuff that you just can't put in a curriculum but, and prove you can teach.
1: But it's not really against the bleeding edge. It's like they're lagging way behind the bleeding edge in a lot of instances. I mean, there's a lot of schools that don't have the greatest design program, but they're still churning out designers. That's that's a major problem. Well,
2: well, so I, I think there's an interesting point here in that, Matt, you seem to see a very, very clear, distinct line between the formal graphic design world and this, like, hacker web interactive digital
0: world. Um, well, I, I actually, I don't think that's totally fair. I think I... If, if anyone I think i i'm kind of i have to span the gap between those things because I tend to work in both but I do think that it's it's easier to say for uh, a firm that might call itself a traditional design firm than a startup that develops an app specifically you know
2: yeah but I guess what I'm getting at is obviously there are these are circles and they're overlapping and, they're, and the overlap i hope is what design really is I think that the things that are that you don't need to know in a formal graphic design world about technology and things you don't need to know in a technology world about formal graphic design probably aren't design. They're probably these other sort of ephemera. And I hope this sort of overlap of these circles is really the core of what you should be taught in school, to my mind. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't see why the digital side of things shouldn't be able to be taught theoretically the same way that the formal stuff should be. I mean, you said there's not programs they don't exist. And I think to some degree, you're right. Um, I, the only school I can speak too, is Micah, because I'm still in Baltimore. I'm still really involved with the school. And uh, they they do have a lot of really amazing classes now. Um, ben Cattill, who's a designer in Baltimore, teaches a class in web development. They learn, you know, they learn Ruby. They learn about static site generators. There's some really sort of in-depth technical stuff that you would never expect to find at a graphic design sort of program that gets them okay, really involved fair, in digital yeah. kind of stuff. So I, mean, I think that I I don't want to like immediately just say, oh, this is, this is something you can teach. This is something you cannot. Because I think that You should be able to teach both those things. I think it's just that one of them has been around for a lot longer. We've sort of figured out this sort of system. And I think what Dan might be getting at is that that system we figured out for teaching this is broken in many ways. Is Uh that fair to say?
1: I do feel conflicted, though, because when you do bring up things like web development or like even when we went through school and there was like the Photoshop class or the Illustrator class, I feel like those are the things that technically we shouldn't like spend that much time learning because it's taking time away from really the fundamental stuff that you can do across programs or across mediums. And that's interesting. Like
2: that. it's, really, it's really interesting you say that because I feel like in a lot of ways, the differences between our schools, the schools you like I and you, you two went to is that your school had Photoshop and Illustrator classes. Micah does yes. not. Micah has never had those kind of classes. And there's a trade-off there. And the trade-off is that I am glad I was not taught that kind of stuff at Micah. I feel the way you do, Dan, that I do not want to be taught how to use the pen tool or how to do all this kind of technical shit. I'll learn that on my own. I'm, I can figure that out. Yep. And what I want to talk about is I want to do, have high-level high theoretical conversations about design. I want to learn concepts. I want to learn about history. I want to learn all the things that I can't learn by Googling. And mm-hmm. that's why I love that education. And that's why I think it was really the right place for me. That said, there are plenty of people that come out of Micah with a graphic design degree, after four years of learning graphic design, and they do not know how to set up a publication in design and set it to print. Like, no no idea of how that process works. And sure. part of that is that print is sort of die, but they, just, they don't understand the tools because they didn't have the sort of self-drive to go and learn those things. And well, similarly, but- similarly at a school that you guys went to, I imagine you have people very, few people, very few people that leave that program without an idea of how those programs work, but probably more that leave without... A sort of higher level of thinking about design that is important for most fields now
0: i don't want to say that more people come out of scad not no not thinking about design at a higher level than come out of mica that way but i, I have no comparison to to say that's true andy you're i think you're an anomaly no matter where you go um no <laughs> thank I, I mean, you <laughs> <laughs> no but andy if i if i were to to hold you down as hard as i could you'd still figure out a way to learn about the theoretical side of, side of design so I don't know that, like you, having you as—I uh, mean, you're a person who decided to start a design podcast, so that it's almost like you're eliminating yourself from that argument. No, to, I, to I, I'm not like, talking Ugh. about me specifically. I, I'm no, talking so, about so but what of... I'm saying is I don't have any anyone to compare with because I don't know anyone else who went to Micah, so I, that's not really fair. But I will say, just you know, knowing what I've been through, I think you have to learn both. You can't just learn one side or the other. They they need to they need to, unless you're only being a design critic. You yeah. do actually have to learn how the tools work, and granted, the tools do change, and so your formal education can't account for that forever. At some point, you might have to teach yourself, but I think it's very valuable to make sure that people actually know how to use the tools to execute the higher-level thinking that they're actually doing. I've seen people that don't know how to use the tools um, and, and are very proud of themselves for, ha- for how thoughtful they are, and and that's we advocate that all the time, and that's great, but if you can't actually do it, you know, I – I I'm not gonna, I am not going to can't work with you, yeah. you know? Yeah.
2: And I think this is – I mean, we're, I think in some ways we're kind of skirting the issue in that we're talking about some of the arguments they had. And obviously, you know, the question of is formal design education necessary for practicing designers, just the wording of that, necessary, no, it's not necessary. There are tons of practicing designers that are not formally educated and they do just fine. So, That's true. So the wording of that, we can throw that question sort of right out. But the core of this question is really, you know, is what is the value of getting a formal design education in today's day and age – And I think it's worth asking the question, how much has the internet changed the necessity for formal education? Because that's something that we're sort of just living in. Like our generation is really one of the first generations to go through college and go through higher education with this as a resource. And so I think it's worth sort of talking about that issue.
0: You know, well, you know, I think the the real answer could be that, you know, a formal education is always going to be valuable. But. I think it's, it's not nearly as valuable as what you're forced to pay to get an education. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. that's
2: one of the biggest questions. I mean, art school is expensive. Like the, the proper design schools that are, have dedicated programs, they're not cheap almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, no. I mean, the question is, I mean, this is same, it comes down to the same thing with everything else, which is you sort of get what you put into it. And if you're there for the right reasons, you're good to go. And if you're not... You're not. And this is something I say all the time that people that have not gone to art school n- never expect me to say or never understand. But it's like you do, you do not go to art school because you want to get a job. You, uh, you're not you don't go there to learn a specific set of skills to mm-hmm. become employable. If you want to be employable, there's a million other things you can do that make a million times more sense. What I got out of a place like Micah was being surrounded by incredible Talented, creative people that exactly. I feel like I learned from in this sort of community that I couldn't have grown in the same way outside of that community from. Uh, and, there's, and there's value for me to being in that place. There's value for me to being introduced to a city that I wouldn't have otherwise gone to. Um, and these things sort of provide the value that I think I did get out of my education. Um, but that said, I think that if you go to any art school across the country and look around the design program, a lot of people are there for the wrong reasons and are not going to get out of that program what they're putting into it either opportunity cost wise or fiscally
1: so so here's a perspective on that so my college uh i guess progression was probably one out of very few so i actually started out uh college in computer science like that's what i did in high school that's what i started out doing in college and then after a year or a year and a half i switched over to design and this was at a uh, state-funded university and then I realized that the, the school wasn't that good at design. It's just like, it was one of their smaller programs. It wasn't really well funded. They didn't have a lot of resources. So I, I didn't want to do that anymore. So uh, I went from the state funded university and then did design for a little bit at community college, which is a very different environment because the state funded college, it's a little bit more, it's, they're trying to do the in-between of the technical stuff and the theoretical stuff. When you go to community college, it's all technical. Uh, I go there and it's, you learn the, the uh, principles and elements of design, like the shapes and the colors and how to use them together. And then after that, that's when I got to SCAD. And that was, you know, the, the, the private art school. So I feel like I've gone through all three
0: different types of art schools that are available. uh, And, And not to mention you've been through in person and over the computer, right? Yes.
1: So I've technically done all, all the different things to the progression. Let's <laughs> <I> just <laughs> ask
0: you, it's, yeah. which is better?
1: <laughs> so here, okay, my perspective on this, because I'm not every person that's ever gone through any of these before, is that the state-funded university, the, the typical like four-year college, didn't have all the resources that could be available for design. Like, I mean, there was a fundamental class where it was a modernist teaching me how to do things by cutting up paper. Like it, the, the the old school way, which was great, but most of the students, you know, with their computers and the laptops couldn't really connect with it. So, you know, that's, that's where I see that things are a little bit too old in education for what people need. Then you get over to community college. I mean, it's very functional and everything, but I understand that anybody that would go through a two-year program like that would know a whole hell of a lot about programs, but know absolutely nothing about design other than Helvetica is better than Arial. And then uh, when I go to SCAD, I mean, that's when I realized that I was finally in the correct place where I needed to be entirely because when I showed up, there was a lot of like-minded people that were there to not only learn from the professors, but also learn from each other. I mean, and that's one thing that I got from, especially from Matt, is that typography was a big thing and that I didn't know that much about it, so... You know, like seeing Matt doing all his wonderful type things encouraged me to do the same. And if if that sort of environment doesn't exist, then it's really hard for a designer to be able to grow the way that they need to grow. And it's very hard to find that outside of a college program.
2: Yeah, and, and that's, I guess what I'm getting at. I wonder if the internet can, in many ways, become more and more like that creative community and environment that you do get at an actual place that is a, yeah. a, a private education well, institution. And I don't think it's anywhere near there yet. No, do I think uh, it will ever necessarily get there completely, but I do think that it's starting to supplement that same problem more and more than it was in the past. Uh, and it, we talk about how sort of shallow and maybe not valuable and not critical something like dribble is. Um, but in a lot of ways it is showing at least some desire on the design community's part to have some sort of community of learning from each other and talking to each other, and practicing our craft in public.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, it, I, you know, I can, I can say that. Let's just say this is two things. I think part of what Dan was talking about is just seeing other people do something and then kind of realizing it's possible, you know? Like, you see someone in your class do something great, and you go, you know, I didn't even think about doing it that way. I didn't even think about the fact that I could do that. I had no idea. Yeah. And that's just something that the internet can do very well. The internet can inspire you because you can see someone do something and go, "Oh, I didn't, even, I did know that that was in me. That's maybe I can try that." That's that's a big thing. But being in the room with people to critique your work is something that we're not there yet with. So I think the internet fills that gap in some way. But it seems very like I still we've talked about that many times. The 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 void of design criticism, especially one-on-one design criticism, uh-huh. in <clears throat> on the internet and. I still can't picture it happening like it's still very hard for me to imagine w- what setting you need to be in for that to happen and and part of it is the fact that you know if you're paying to be in a place, you have motivation to do something, and right now it, you know it's great that everything's free, but because things are free, you have no v- motivation to participate. yeah,
1: and I do feel like a big part of this is that when you go to college or when you go to something that maybe is just a reenactment of a, a college experience. You know, maybe a critique with fellow designers in the area. That could be something. What you get out of it is uh hopefully an undivided attention of the, the rest of the audience, where you can't get that with something like the internet, where everybody has to sit down at the same time and they do a thing. They critique somebody else's work, where if you're they're in person you're critiquing there on a college campus everybody is present and everybody is hopefully engaged so they're focusing on that one thing rather than just kind of leaving like a, a comment on something that's being worked on on dribble or behance or you know somewhere else
0: online it is it's kind of like how we've talked about gym memberships previously it's almost like you make someone pay and then they have the motivation to actually go do if you didn't have to pay for your gym membership are you going to work out nope i don't no. <laughs> And then there's a friction there that I I really
2: appreciate. And I think it's actually very similar to some of the things I like about Baltimore as a city, which is that the reasons to be in Baltimore, the practical reasons to be in Baltimore are are few. Uh, so the people that are in Baltimore, by and large, just really like Baltimore. They've found something bad they really enjoy and they just they want to be here. Uh, and places like New York and San Francisco, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, uh-huh. When I visited and when I've been there, I, there's so many people that are there because they want to be they want to be rich they want to be in a startup they want to get involved in that scene they want to be in the new york design community they want to show up to all the things and they want to you know they want to be part of these things i mean it's weird like their goals are are very alternative to what i see in a place like baltimore and the same thing can go for an expensive private art school which is to say that uh if you're there you're probably there because you are care enough about getting better at what you love that you're willing to pay an obscene amount of money and dedicate four years to just doing that thing and having that friction, that huge hurdle to jump over before you're allowed to be in that spot and be in that classroom and give that critique uh, is really valuable. And it has sort of pluses and minuses in that it can be very insular, too. You can end up in this sort of bubble of like-minded people. But I, I found that extremely, extremely valuable for me creatively, for me as a designer, for me as a human being, just to be in that community for four years.
1: Well, and, and I love how you pointed out that the private art school
0: kids ended up in their, their pretentious cities. Thank you, Andy.
1: Well, I mean, actually,
0: <laughs> what's interesting about that comparison is that in reality, like, the reason to come to New York is because you're more dedicated to your goal than you are to your own location, which actually is more like what it is to be at the private school. Ah, interesting perspective. That's that's yeah. that's kind of that's how I mean, that's how I frame it. Like, I'm only in New York because I want to do what I want to do. If, if it true. happened to be anywhere else in the world, I'd just be there. Yeah, I, mm. I, I'm exactly the same. That's why I moved from the sticks to the bay. There are plenty of other places I like better as a location, and if I could do exactly what I wanted to do there, I'd be there. But I can't do that. I see I'm in Baltimore because I really just want to get like properly good at drug dealing. <laughs>
2: I really want to get I really want to get my dealer game down down right, and I think this is the the good a good spot for me to get better at that. You know, so that's
0: the wire. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So so going back to the conversation about design education, do you really feel like it's just a matter of trying to recreate something that could be in a, a college campus critique to be outside of it? I mean, like, is that what could make uneducated designers better? Or is there something more that needs to happen? I think
2: it's the spirit of the critique more than the critique itself. Like, I think if you were to get really thoughtful intelligent feedback on your work that's one part of the puzzle but more than that it's just sort of the the environment of the creative environment that you get from I mean I think one of the biggest things that I learned from art school which I don't think I would have necessarily learned on my own uh, which is a hard lesson you often have to learn you know through doing is that your creativity is not a thing you wait for it's just like this process and you, there's no like waiting for inspiration there's no you know creative block and you don't know what to do and you can't figure it out you just have to sit down and work and that's that's what you do when you have, you know, six hour classes with six hours of homework every single week and you have a deadline every seven days. You have no choice but to do that. And you have mm-hmm. no choice but to, but to fail over and over and over and over again. And those lessons, I think, are very hard to translate to somebody that hasn't been in that sort of situation. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know that it, we can get that same
1: environment through some well, medium. Well, maybe we could. I mean, because co-ops exist. And shared spaces and and uh, you know like design meetups, uh, couldn't those be used to have something that was a bit more engaging rather than just kind of having a speaker talk every time because yeah but, but but nothing's gonna put you under that pressure
2: that same pressure you have when you're paying a shit ton of money and you have someone that's demanding extreme amounts of work for, from you every single week? I mean, I guess it, it could be it could be the same kind of pressure if you like quit your job and decided to go freelance and you had to make rent. Um, yeah but which is point, a
1: terrible choice for everybody listening that is well a no I mean at that point <laughs> th-
2: that pressure is pressure to get money, not pressure to be better at design uh, yeah right, so i mean that's it's very difficult to manufacture because i mean design we, I mean, as much as we love and as much as we'll you know extol the values of design uh, in many ways when you're learning, you do have to sort of manufacture this importance about what you're making because you're not making something that's going to be in the real world or it's going to be affecting millions of people you're making essentially a mock-up of something or the idea of something. And you have to manufacture this importance to put yourself under the same levels of stress that you will be, when you're eventually in the real world, working on the same kinds of problems. Yep. And I think that's some of the biggest value that a place like a private art school can provide that is very, very difficult to ever translate to something that is not people in a space dedicated both time-wise and money-wise to be invested in something.
0: But So I think the real the, what, what's really being answered is... The first question, is design necessary? Absolutely not. Like that's a, that's almost an absurd question to ask. Is design education, is formal design education valuable? Absolutely. And really at that point, it's just a sliding scale of like how much of your life can you dedicate to that and how much of your, your money can you dedicate to that? And you just have to, I mean, if, if you could pinpoint the exact perfect amount of time, I mean, you know, generally we've decided that like four years and, a, and, and almost $100,000 is about where it goes. I, I mean, I feel like it's it's more about answering like, what is the most valuable use of your time and money? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we really kind of shown light on the bigger problem that to get
1: some of the best education, you have to go to a private art school, and that's really fucking expensive. So, what on earth is making it so god awful expensive that people who don't have that kind of money couldn't go, you know, or or don't want to have to take the responsibility of having a hundred thousand dollars or more in loans?
2: No. And that's the thing. Like I would never tell anybody that any young person or old person for that matter that approached me and said they wanted to get interested in design, but they couldn't afford to go to some school. What should they do? I wouldn't be like, well, you're screwed. Got to go to school. That's all you need. It's all all the way to do it. I I think it's a very interesting conversation to have with somebody about whether they should go to art school. Because for me, like, the value of art school was so much higher for me as a person than it was for me as a designer. Like, I think that the strides I made in getting better design and the like, formal things I learned about typography and how to use the tools and all that kind of stuff are things that were not worth that investment of money or time. Like, I could have learned those things much more efficiently elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I improved as a person being exposed to all the different sort of ideas and different professions and I shouldn't say profession, different like, art, artist mediums and different sort of ways of working, I think, was the most valuable part for me, hands down um seeing people like bullshit the fuck out of assignments or get an assignment and go to something totally different that ends up being absolutely amazing that has nothing to do with what they were assigned is a really surreal experience and if you think coming to appreciate that is something that i find valuable so i don't know it's it's a really weird thing to pin down obviously it's not a black or white answer but i do think that it's i think it's hard to justify spending the money on a school like that uh if you're if money is an issue for you or if uh, if you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of it.
0: And I understand why it's hard to sell. You know, the value on the sliding scale thing is the only answer I could give somebody like there's never, you're never going to be able to say that, you know, this is the exact amount, the, the right amount of time that you need to spend in this environment. And then it will equate this much value to you. Like I, and, and of course there's the other side of the argument of like, if you put this much money and you get yourself in this much debt, you know, now you're forced to take a certain job that may not be beneficial to you. So is that actually more harmful? I mean, that was brought up in the Designers Club debate. Uh, I I mean, it really just has to be a personal choice, but I think there's no doubt that a design education could be valuable. It's just, are you you willing to... uh, Take out a mortgage. (laughs) Almost,
2: yeah. I've always kind of thought that the apprenticeship model was something that I think makes a lot of sense for design, but we'd see taken advantage of very rarely. Oh, wait, you didn't? you did that, didn't you? For like over a summer? I did bookbinding as an apprenticeship, which is a little bit tangential, but but no, oh. I, I think the idea of instead of learning in a formal system where we... Because the, the idea of pinning down like a curriculum for three or four years for people who need to know about design is a very daunting task for me because of how broad in spectrum the field is, especially nowadays with how the field has changed given the digital revolution or whatever the fuck you want to call it. So... Uh, the idea of learning from another person directly uh, that does work that you value and you see as important, uh, it would be a really great way to learn design. It's just there are no structures in place for that sort of thing. I mean, the, the closest thing we get is like internships, but internships are yeah. more often than not someone being taken advantage of for their time. And, you know, you get to be near us and get to see what we do as long as you're willing to, you know, do these photoshops for these uh Photoshop, these images for this thing. Which is kind of a shame, but um, I don't yeah. know. I've always well, thought I mean, that model what, was. What
0: would be what would be the difference in an apprenticeship? Be besides time, because you would still be doing the uh, the the uh, the kind of grunt work. Um, and that's kind of like well, what else can an intern ex- be expected to do? Like, what what's the main difference besides time? Uh, apprenticeships most often succeed in crafts more so than
2: professions. So, if it's a craft, right. it's a thing that you need to do. Sort of repeatedly to develop your your hand and your your taste at that's where we see the apprenticeship model sort of working. and I think that it would involve more teaching than an internship currently does. I mean, I think usually interns are expected to you know sort of learn just from being around the studio and seeing what's going on and getting to you know be a part of it all and this very very infrequently as part of internships, like a formal sit down let's learn about this thing, let me teach you this which I think is what apprenticeships are more often than not, and it works in the craft sort of models because very often it's like, well, we're going to teach you how to split wood, and here's how you split wood. See, I did a great job. And you did a shitty job. Now do it a million times, and you right. know that's both improving your craft and also helping out with you know the the grunt work essentially. And I don't think that's really the case with design. You know, you could you're not going to necessarily learn inherently the best way to type set something just by doing it over and over again because it's a little bit harder to pin down paradigms and you know like a, a craft for those sort of things so
0: well is the difference kind of the like tolerance of failure also though like do, within an apprenticeship are you kind of is there kind of an expectation that you're going to fail a certain number of times because you have you come into this almost with nothing that's actually interesting it's kind of bring up a point so it, so we at friends of the web are expanding a bit
2: we've been working more and more with outside developers outside designers taking on part-time employees uh, and sort of experimenting with getting larger and what that's like, and our experience has been that it's very, very hard for someone that's a designer that we've worked with to like really waste their time, which is to say that if we sit down and even if it's somebody that's inexperienced, if they don't have, you know, a great handle of the tools, so the files they make, nothing lines up quite right or everything's done badly in Illustrator or whatever, uh, the process of them making sketches for something or doing some design assignment that we have going on in, in the office is ultimately helpful towards the end goal. Even if we don't use any of those sketches, the the ideas that they represent and just having another person sort of approaching that problem is always, 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 always valuable. Um, Right. Which cannot be said at all of outside developers because if you get a bad outside developer that comes in and writes bad code, not only have they not helped at all, they've actually hurt you and set you back, you know, a ways. And I just don't think that can happen with design if you're being at all decent with the way you're treating your your interns. I think that the, the best way, I mean... The so tolerance for failure for me as a designer, when I'm working with other designers, is, is sky high. There's, you fail as much as you want. Like That failure is part of what's
0: going to get us to a successful solution, which cannot be said of other fields, I don't think. But also cannot be said of people working on slightly different projects. Like My tolerance for failure is very low because sometimes – you know. I mean, obviously, the way I work is that I need to shield the younger designers from the outside world to a certain degree because – You know, you can't like if I send to a client and and there is a failure, then that's a big problem. And especially if I go put some make something permanent, like send it to print or build a sign or make a structure like those things are hugely costly. So those can't it's not all design where where there's a tolerance for failure. I mine is very, very low. Yeah, Uh, I think that needs to be noted. And and it is it is and it also should be noted that those are designs like those those are kinds of designs that will survive beyond print because there will always be the physical world right.
2: To me, there's still a lot more room for failure there than for like the person that's building the sign. Like part of the process of coming up with the final design for said sign is going to be making a bunch of them that suck, and you look at them and say, "This works." This is the rest of it's not working.
0: Yeah, you, know, you are right. You're right. It has to go through a process to get there, but like, ultimately guess, there is there is a very low tolerance for failure at the end point, right?
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably true of anybody that's trying to do good work. The nice thing about design is that part of getting to that endpoint that's successful is that you get to do a bunch of things that are not successful, which is not really the case with many, many other things, unfortunately, um, which is why I couldn't yeah. be like an accountant. You're not going to do like iterative accounting where it's like, did all your books, they were pretty bad, <laughs> going to go do them all over again, hope that works for you. Um, so, this time next year? Yeah. That doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know. That's one of the things I actually really love about design. And it makes me very, very comfortable hiring people to work on products with us because the time ultimately will not be wasted. Uh, and if, if the time ends up being less valuable than what we're paying the person, then it's only by a small margin and it's sort of hard to measure. So it's much easier for me to hire another designer than it is for me to hire a developer or a bookkeeper or somebody else to do a more sort of stiff-edged, hard line thing.
0: Yeah. But the other thing, too, to note is that are are you guys working on many things at once or is it all everybody's effort going to a single thing? Many things at once. Okay, because I feel like, you know, the way one of the ways that a a design firm will often work is that, like, every designer that comes on board has a responsibility. And yes, you get to fail in the process. But like, you know, ultimately, you're responsible for something that you have to I don't know. There's maybe not as much shield as what it seems like you're talking about, Andy.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that, for example, we're not held to the same expectations that Pentagram is held to, obviously. I mean, you guys have a style and I'm sure that the people that are partners at Pentagram are getting a lot more for projects than we are. So it's a sort of, it's a very different clientele, I guess. I hope that we've set the expectations with our business that part of the process is going to be making a bunch of things that may or may not work. And that's the best way to get to a successful solution. And if we sort of set that tone correctly, I hope we can grow the business in a way that design remains flexible and you know, a safe space for design to be what it is and not be held to sort of pristine, perfect expectations. But I don't know. All a, f- a bunch of fuzzy things going on right now. It's all floating around like crazy. But I would love, I would love, and if anybody out there listening or Matt or Dan, if you have any ideas, I would love for the part-time employees we have working with us from Micah, and there, there are a number of them, uh, to learn a bunch from working with us. And I don't exactly know how to make that, how to really force that to happen or really, like, enable that to happen to the best of my ability. I mean, I, having had many internships in recent years, I mean, just three years ago I was interning for other people in Baltimore, I I think that I'm very cognizant of what made internships good or bad for me, and I try really hard to make working with us a good experience, but it's hard for me to intentionally make it about learning, which is what I want it to be about, because I, I do think that we do work here that is very hard to teach formally at a place like Micah. So, which is kind of the thing we were talking about. So, I, I'm I've been thinking a lot about how to make the process of working part time at Friends of the Web a really beneficial process for the people
0: that are working with us. No, I I think that's that would be very valuable. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of coming from the point of view where, you know, a lot of what I have to worry about is is meeting a, a deadline that is is set in stone, and, and it's what you're talking about. Like, you know, in design school, you kind of get these deadlines. You have to be creative for this amount of time, and then. You have to, you know, do it again. And there's not as much time in my schedule to, to decide that, you know, I want to um, make the, the value to an intern more valuable. Like, realistically, you know, I, I have to live in the real world where we have clients that have very serious demands. And those demands are far, uh, far exceed what the educational value of the interns that we have coming through Pentagram are. You know, it, it's like it, that's something that uh, I really love the idea of. But you do have to, you know, you do have to realize that, you know, that cannot be the priority. You're kind of like, you know, it, it is like a low tolerance for failure. And for me, I feel like my experience in the firm has been amazing and it's been like an apprenticeship. Um, but I do understand that if I had been like a humongous failure, then certainly I would have been cut at some point. So, yeah, there is that. Cut balance with a that knife. I and then it, when I get to this, you know, when I now that I'm in a higher position as a designer, as opposed to an intern or a freelancer, I have to keep up those expectations, and I also have to meet the demands of of the people that uh, hire us. So, but but that, I don't think that's wildly different than anyone else. I think I'm just saying what everybody knows. I think you're in a, in a different position, Andy, because you own your business and you can um, make those decisions a little more. I don't know. Do, like, does that? Do, do you feel like because you have such strong feelings about this, you have a better way? And, and you, in the business, obviously you have a better chance of doing that. Or do you think that's something that the world, in general, could adopt?
2: Uh, no, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I, we have. This is maybe getting too personal. Our friends, but people might just be turning off this podcast by now. I mean, we have more flexible <laughs> margins. In that, I mean, the work we do is we're we're so so fortunate. The work we do is in demand. There's lots of people that need apps and need websites right now. And we do a decent job of it. So, you know, business is not tough for us at the moment, which is great. And because of that, we have a little more flexibility and we can say, you know, we're going to try to run things a little differently. We're going to try to, you know, have somebody here working part time where they don't necessarily have to recoup all of their costs and, you know, make enough money for us on the work they're doing that we can pay their salary and all their taxes and whatnot. Um, We don't have to be so sort of tight edge with it, which is a luxury that we have as a small company working in such a, you know, in-demand field that I think most bigger companies just simply don't have that flexibility. Right. Um, and a lot of things I've been thinking about for the past month, two months have been how to structure a business in a way that it is more supportive to things like continuing education for the people working there because ultimately at the end of the day if you have a job where you're able to learn and get better at what you love and that's like one of the primary focuses, I think that's a really appealing job. And yeah. you'll Well that's true.
0: There is that end end game of like you know, if, if we can educate people, they they decide to stay around for longer. It's a more valuable prospect for everybody. Yeah, so that's and then, then, and then, that's then you have somebody
2: fair. that's working for you that, you know, is getting better all the time. That is dedicated to you and your business because you've helped them get to that point, And everyone's constantly improving. And there's not a need to sort of move people in and out all the time to keep the business growing. There's a reason that no other business that I am aware of has sort of perfected that model. I, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, and it's a risk as well. And that's why I've been sort of thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about a business as a design problem lately as opposed to just the shell for
0: solving other people's design problems, which is what we've Actually, been doing I've, for two years. I, I'm interested in that frame because that, um, you know, I guess we've heard about it from uh, recently 37 Signals had mentioned, you know, the kind of way, the way that developed that. And, uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, in the long run, it might be a better choice then, you know, I, you know, obviously none of these are McDonald's, like nobody's talking about running something like that. But if you really can create a company that that sustains almost all of its employees for a long period of time, you're going to spend less money in the long run developing people. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and I think that 37 signals is a great example of that. And as is like GitHub, GitHub recently came out with a bunch of their employment numbers, and something like two thirds of their workforce works remotely. And they've had like almost nobody quit over the course of the past like five years, like pretty much nobody. Wow. Um, and I think that there's been a lot of attention paid in the technology sector to the design and structure of companies for better and for worse. I think there are a lot of startups that are structured really ridiculously and they demand ex- insane hours from people in exchange for a small salary and a buy into the potential, you know, Instagramming of their business. But, <laughs> but I think that overall, the idea of people really messing with business structures has worked in technology. And we get the 37 signals of the world and we get the the Githubs of the world that find a really successful model who's doing that in design? Is anybody doing that in design? Like, I feel like design is still either you go work for somebody else, you work in technology, you work as an in-house designer for some other market, you work, you know, in another field as a designer, or you go work for a design studio, which works the same way design studios have worked for the past forever. Um, and so I'm I'm trying my best to think about how those same sort of approaches that have been taken in the technology community can make sense for design as a career as well. Because I think there's an opportunity there.
1: Sure. And, and this is, tangential and i know it but uh the one thing that i've learned about you andy is that you're very 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 passionate about education no yeah i know not (laughs) just not just receiving but also being able to educate others and that's why you bring in micah folks that's what that's why you do what you do and what i hear is that you kind of have the struggle like you want to be able to educate people but at the same time like run a business and i'm reading a book right now it's citizen designer it's one of the like dozens of steven heller books but one of the articles in it is about a company that's literally a design studio but also a non and the nonprofit of it is uh geared entirely towards the education of designers so like I, I, even if you're you couldn't achieve the status or the the end goal of trying to create like the the tech business structure for design i do feel like if you really do want to be able to add education as a facet into the business i mean you could have a portion of it that might not be a nonprofit, but is focused on education with a little bit of output of of the real world stuff like i feel like if you actually formalize that a little bit it actually could be something
2: yeah and and that's what i've been thinking about and i want to have it be incorporated in some way that it's you know not segmented it's not like well we have a business and we also do teaching i want it to be one sort of Force in the world that moves forward and does great things and produces great work as well as great people um and that's I don't know it's a really weird challenge, and it's like some weird shit for me to be saying up at night thinking about, but um yeah. there's something going on I guess i can't i w- don't think I put this in the grid on the on the reddit rather, which i don't know why I didn't because it's a really super interesting thing, but did you guys see oh no, I did I totally put it in the thing, but no one else voted it up. You guys gotta vote things up better, all you listeners. <laughs> So I was you guys... like, you're,
1: you're telling us to vote up your stuff. Oh, fine. Okay.
2: <laughs> give me give me Reddit points. I want internet <laughs> points.
0: You can get as many as three
2: from this conversation. So maybe when we put it out. I, I put a link to something called the Designer Fund. Did you guys follow this link and yes. read this thing? Yeah. So this is actually a really interesting thing. This is I don't know why I thought we slow so to get back around to this. This is exactly what we're talking about. I mean, this is a program for designers that want to get into working with startups which essentially is more or less an apprenticeship. They pair designers with startups for, I think it's like three months or something. Uh, And then they have this residency where they, you know, go and they learn from these people and they get to contribute their design work. And then at the end, they come out and they either might get a job at that place or they have this great experience where they worked in technology sector for three months and they got some, you know, really great work out of it. They can go get a job at another startup. And it is sort of changing both the education path and it's sort of bringing the apprenticeship model in. Um, And it is sort of making education a part of, your everyday job and that's something else that happens in technology a lot there are tons of companies that will pay you money to learn how to become a programmer so they can then offer you a job and i i there's a i can't think of one off the top of my head there's one specifically that will pay you like ten thousand dollars for three months to learn to become a programmer and then you don't have to work for them you can just go away you can just (laughs) apply for this program learn how to be learn learn ruby or whatever over the course of three months and then just walk away and get paid to do it by this company that will then get nothing out of you um because they're because Programming is such an in demand field right now, and it's so hard to find good programmers to hire somewhere. So, if you invest in somebody and teach them that thing, they'll likely be thankful t- for you and they'll likely you know, want to help you out and to give you somebody you could possibly hire. And I don't think we have the same sort and of. And also,
0: like, it's hard to get a job. Yeah.
2: Well, no, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the thing. Like, software development and being a developer is something that is extremely in demand. And I think design, I do think, is starting to get more respect, but we're nowhere near the same level of, of demand that you get for something like that. Which is a bit of a shame. Maybe that's changing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Like To me, technology has grown so fast and so weirdly that there's a lot of people that are really thinking about structures and processes in that field. And we're not getting that same sort of critical thought about design and the design field. And I'm trying my best to think about that because I don't know,
0: guys. <sighs> no, no. I actually was going to say to you that I think I actually read that previously, too. And I thought it was interesting, especially given what you're telling me, because... What Dan was saying about the the company that has the design firm and and runs it a, a nonprofit, there is something to be said about you know the motivation of of different companies and or education systems or whatever. Like if you're if you are a company, then your motivation to a certain degree does have to be profit. Yes. Um, and if you're an education, if you're a college or something, your motivation does have to be education because you're getting money to do that. So there's something notable about something like the design fund where they realize that money has to be – in a capitalist system, money has to be a motivator. So you have to put a little bit of money towards this education process. Like As good as you might be, Andy, you do still have to, at the end of the day, make a profit uh, despite your uh, wanting to educate a young designer. So there, I think there is a big – there's something very valuable to something like a design fund that can acknowledge that and, and work within the boundaries of our world to get that done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and there are other examples like Cooper does Cooper U and and they do very frequent uh, like workshops for very specific things. It's more for uh, growth of existing professionals that uh, don't need like the the formal education or anything like that. But I mean, those things do exist. It's just not very abundant. And it's usually very, very highly localized. Yeah. And all all of a
2: sudden I feel very self-conscious about the idea of me like imparting some great knowledge onto some young mind and taking some young person under my <laughs> wing. R- really, like, I am interested in finding people that are asking the same questions that we talk about every single week and think about design in this bigger sense. And are really interested in the intersection of the design and technology and how I mm-hmm. can change the world. And I want someone to like ask those questions with me. And I want to like blow their mind the same way that my mind was blown over the past two years as I sort of learn these things that have really changed my perspective on the world.
0: No, I um, mean you can just think if you if you want to feel better about it, just think about this: the value of being in the same room with other designers. One more is probably going to be a little bit more valuable. So, yeah.
2: yep.
0: Plus, I have really good taste in music, so I can play some
2: hip hop for them, and then they'll be exposed <laughs> to new hip hop they never were aware of before.
0: No, oh, all right. Uh, I, I I I could use some more hip hop. I've been into hopping. I'm wow. bored of that mystical song. I, it's my favorite <laughs> song, but goddamn it, <laughs> so, I've played it way too many times. I'm gonna make you a mixtape, Matt. Hit me. <laughs> Oh god! Oh, that's a hard oh point. god!
2: And cut.
0: This has been on the grid episode twenty nine. You can email the show mail at on the Call us nine seven three on grid two. Tweet to hashtag on the grid. If you want to submit a link for us to talk about on the show, on thegrid.reddit.com. If you enjoy the show, please review it on iTunes. Thanks to Girlfriends for the music. Thanks to you for listening. Until next week.